Very, very uh, excited to kick off uh, our member profiles here at Sport Calgary with Calgary Minor Football. And Al Cooper's kind enough to join us today to talk about Calgary Minor Football. And, and Al, take us back. Uh, the, the Calgary Minor Football's been around for a while, hasn't it? I think we're celebrating of the 54th season. And actually, we still have, as our... Uh, one of our vice presidents, a member that started it 54 years ago in the name of Jim Kershane. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, what is what is an entail? How old are the athletes? What levels are we talking about here when we talk about uh, Calgary Minor Football? When we talk about Calgary Minor Football, we're now talking about all four levels. I, I just mentioned the 54-year period, and that is Calgary Bantam. Mm-hmm. But since Calgary Bantam inception, uh, Calgary Pee we started up approximately 25 years ago, and the age group for Bantam is... 13 to 15, not entering grade 10. The Peewees are 10 to 12, not turning 13 that calendar year. Then we have Adam football, which is the 8-year-olds to the top end 10-year-old age group. And uh, those three levels are all played in the summer from August 1st right through till uh, late October, early November, depending on the, uh, the provincial status that they, that they achieve. We have started a new league about 16 years ago called Calgary Area Midget, which has now changed to Calgary Area Spring Football. Mm-hmm. And that is for graduating grade 9s, grade 10 players, and grade 11 players. And it's an abbreviated season. We start uh, mid-March with training. The season itself, with the exception of this year, has its first games by the first week in April. And that is the players that really want to concentrate on getting to the next level, either the CIS level or the junior level. And, and there's uh, probably 500 kids playing that in the city of Calgary right now. So is it safe to say then the role of Calgary minor football is to get young athletes ready for the high school programs? Most definitely. When the high school programs are very appreciative of what they're receiving now. Mm-hmm. And the average player, like in, in our program that I've, I've been associated with for 35 years, we have now players going to high school with nine years of experience of tackle football, meaning they've been taught how to tackle how to make sure the equipment fits properly, they utilize it properly. And they're doing that for nine seasons before they even start their grade tenure at a high school. So who are, the, who are the athletes? Where do the athletes come from? The athletes come from, a lot of them come from the kids that have decided that by the time they're 15 or 14, they're not going to go to the NHL. <laughs> so they're no longer going to have to spend four nights a week at hockey and not be able to balance hockey and football. So they make a choice between the two. And unfortunately, with today's economy, sometimes it's based on the economics. And as you can appreciate for hockey, it is, it is expensive. Where at football, we supply all the equipment, uh, the team fees. The registration fees, I think, in total for, for the average team or most teams is probably $500 or less for the entire season, and we supply absolutely everything. So what's the time commitment? What in, in season and practicing, what are we looking at? We have a lot of rules that we have to follow with uh, Football Canada. Okay. And we cannot start anything until August 1st of the summer year. And we can only have X number of hours to run a training camp or a tryout or an introduction camp in the month of June. And then the kids are off. You can't do anything in July. They come August 1st. Generally, you go four nights a week. And then we do a large uh, tournament jamboree in uh, about the third week in August. Then we start our August, we start our, our season about August the 25th or 30th. And we go right through till the end of October. And it's most of the majority of the games are played on Saturdays down at Shouldice now that we have three very lovely fields to play on. So how many athletes are we talking about? 
I would say with Bantam right now, we're averaging about 550 to 600 players. Uh, Peewee's the same amount. Adam is about 400. That's the introductory level. Mm -hmm. And the spring football, which we run from uh, early March through till the uh, end of May, surprisingly, not surprisingly, but uh, interesting enough, it's probably up over 600 players. A lot of kids that get introduced to football in high school want to get caught up with those kids they're going to compete with at the next level. Because like I said earlier, these kids that are in grade 10 uh, have not got as much experience as the kids that are coming in that played at all the minor levels. So unlike other sports, do you find that you get athletes coming in a little bit later on in the program? or oh, most, you, So do you have to adapt to that? Or? Most definitely. We get athletes that come in that had played rugby. Mm-hmm. They've played soccer. They've played basketball. They've played hockey. They've played all the different sports. And then it's not... It's not peer pressure, but it's part of that, you know, label, I'm on the high school football team. Right. And, and they like to wear the jacket. They like to walk around the school. And they come in, and if they've been disciplined in every other sport, then it doesn't take a lot to discipline them in that sport. And because there are 12 different positions, mm-hmm. you're able to, to, to make a basketball player into a, a really good slot back. You're able to make some of the rugby players into your linebackers and lines. So you can find a spot for all of them. What about volunteers? Because clearly an organization with this many athletes needs quite a few volunteers. We do, and we're fortunate because it's probably the only sport that's got 35-plus. So you got 70, 70 parents, and uh, we get them helping out with everything. Mm. But what we don't have them do is we don't bring a dad out of the bleachers or to uh, coach or mm. to officiate. Uh, the dads come in, they might help with equipment, and even there we make sure that they know what they're doing as far as adjusting the helmets. And, but off-field, we've got a, a really good group of parents. We, you know, we do a lot of fundraisers here in Calgary, mm-hmm. and when I say fundraisers, that is money to give back. And if you follow back on the minor football history, we've given back probably over $600,000 in the last 15 years. Ronald McDonald House, we do a, a big jamboree every August. We're only doing our ninth this year. And we've already written a check. We will with this one, uh, over three hundred thousand dollars to Ronald McDonald House. Wow. Okay. Uh, Alberta Children's Hospital. We're probably up over one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to them mm-hmm. in the last few years. So it's a lot of give back, and 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 to us, that's a way of teaching kids kids discipline and and how to pay forward. And it's it's nice after doing this for X number of years to see these kids now that are parents bringing their kids back and introducing them to the same type of philosophies. So, Al, let's dig down on, on some, maybe somebody's listening for the first time and they're thinking, you know, mm-hmm. what about football? Is, is football right for me? Tell me a little bit about the facilities you use and, and the access to those. We use, uh, for all of our games, if you're, your very first year as a 8-year-old, 9-year-old, would be at uh, Shouldice Athletic Park. And it's all artificial turf. It's always maintained in the sense that it's not uh, uh, falling into a foam pit, but it is falling onto a much better controlled sub, uh, surface. Uh, we do not keep scores in Adam. Everybody gets to play. You rotate the players through. There are locker rooms for the kids to use. Uh, practice fields for most teams are generally the high schools from the community in which they live. And, and those fields are maintained because we go on the fields as the high school kids are coming off. Mm-hmm. So there's always a safe environment for them to play in. Al, you talked a little bit about equipment, but let's dig down in on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you provide it. Um, where does it come from, and how big a cost is that for you? Because I well, imagine that's turning over quite a bit. Yeah, at Adam and Pee Wee, as well as spring football, the teams are responsible for their equipment. Okay. At Calgary Bantam football, uh, ever since inception, the league has 
has equipped the teams. Uh, at Adam, we're looking at uh, roughly 40 sets of equipment, approximately cumulative total of about $350 after you get helmets, shoulder pads, kidney pads, and all those type of things. Mm -hmm. And because you can reuse the helmets and reuse the shoulder pads, and we're so fortunate that we have the number one expert in all of Canada to certify our helmets, which is in Georgie Hopkins. Yeah. And Georgie uh, does a lot of work on the side, meaning he doesn't pay, he doesn't get paid. He volunteers his time because he wants to make sure the kids are playing in a safe, a safe helmet. So X number of helmets get sent back for certification. So if you stretch that $150 a helmet over a three-year period, you know, it's $50 a helmet. Yeah. And uh, the shoulder pads, they can last forever. And we check those for pins and attachments and padding and, and that type of thing. So it is, there is an expense, but it's spread over a number of years. I'll just jump in. George, the George Hopkins we're talking about is, of course, a long time, almost 50 years. Yeah. Hall of Famer, Wall of Famer uh, with the Calgary Stampeders. Nobody's better than Gio. No. And I will never understand why that man wears shorts every <laughs> single day of the year, but he does. Having said that, you couldn't have a better, um, a better person involved, and, and that should put a lot of faith in, in what you're and doing. It, and it does, because I've known George... I've known George for almost all 50 of those years. Mm -hmm. And my brother was with the Stampeders a number of years ago. And uh, George still sits on our board for Calgary and area spring football. A very important position in the sense that he oversees that the helmets are used properly. They're recertified. He also gives us input on different aspects of the game as well as disciplinary measures when when kids are not, when they're playing outside the line as far as, you know, hits and things that could possibly jeopardize their safety. Right. George has seen it all from the sidelines, but he gives so much, so he really doesn't get a break because we do our meetings in the fall, <coughs> doubled up on his attendance here, <laughs> and then we start in March. So he was, as you mentioned, shorts. He was down on the field on uh, last Thursday night or Friday night in his shorts, but with mucklucks, it looked kind of, it was cute. Yeah, he doesn't mind. He, <laughs> no. does, he doesn't mind. <laughs> Um, for, for Calgary Minor Football, you alluded to it before, but governing bodies, who, mm -hmm. who are you responsible to? Who do you, uh, you know, who, who do you kind of... In the immediate area, in, in, in our zone, yeah. which is, there's various zones. There's eight zones in all of Alberta. We're Zone 3, mm -hmm. and Ron Logan is the Football Alberta representative for Zone 3. It used to be Brock Jacobs, a long, long-time football uh, individual who passed on, unfortunately, a couple of years ago. But Ron oversees the four leagues they're each independent meaning they all have their own president but we're all collaborative we're all here for the same reason and that's for the kids to to have fun play safe and make sure that we have a facility to play in uh, then through ron ron reports to football alberta which is hosted out of edmonton and that's a governing body that is in a paid position to do what they do and then they in return report to uh, football canada okay so that's the hierarchy that's now. the hierarchy there yeah okay um i just your officials, where do your officials come from? Our officials are, are amazing. We have guys here like uh, Al Malott, who's been around for, for 100 years. John Middleton, who has also refereed in the CFL and uh, is, is on the board, and not on our board, but on the CFOA board. And all of these guys are fully certified. At the spring level, we get the top referees because they're not busy with CIS, they're not busy with the CFL, they're not mm -hmm. busy with senior high school. We get down to the next level in Bantam. That's guys with four years plus experience. And then Pee Wee is probably three, but these guys are all starting at a young level, learning the game, so they're that much better when they're called on to officiate at that next level as they improve. Right. Now, in terms of the – we got some things we want to get into in terms of recruitment and, and where football's mm -hmm. at right now. But in terms of the bases, have we covered everything we've talked – oh, coaching. No, let's talk yeah. about your coaching because that's, that's maybe the most important that is, part. That is one of the most important parts because as you uh, 
asked upon a minute ago about you know who to report to. Mm. Uh, Football Canada lays out all the the rules and regulations and the certifications required. Then we internally at different levels will either look at all of Football Canada's requirements and say, okay, you know, at this level we need certification to this level. And for the most part, what they did is they standardized with some of the things. And there's one called Safe Contact now. And Safe Contact is a new form of tackling. And the mechanics are such that if you don't uh, go over them at least 10 minutes each practice or after the season gets going at least uh, two or three times a week during your practice session. And so it's standardized in the sense that every single football player putting on a helmet and every single coach instructing has all been taught and certified to to coach and teach the same way. Um, the, going back to the officials again, they uh, also work to the rule of law as far as what Football Canada lays out. Right. We at different levels have extra rules that we put in that we ask the, the officials to cooperate with us and, and install. And if they see things that they think you know, are over the line, they come and talk to us. And we have a very good uh, relationship with them because what we started up three years ago was a, a coach referee liaison so there is a referee assigned to every single team in the city of calgary for minor football hmm. so if they if a coach has a question he brings that referee out he comes to practice they go through a few things he explains to them whether or not that is legal or illegal as far as running a play or the mechanics of a tackle you know especially the horseshoe which is the most confusing one but at the same time if there's a play in which two teams have you know uh, a game has been impacted on a bad call then they're able to use that referee as a liaison back to the, the officials board to get an explanation on why that call was made. And what it's done, it's improved the, uh, the communication. You don't have old parts like myself that used to yell on referee. I still do, but I mean, you know, get a little owly with referees because you get to know them a little bit better and the communication level is so much better than it has been in years. That's a really progressive move. It is, it is and very it's worked out really well. Yeah. Um, let's, let's get into it. Why football? Why should... You know, why should a, a young athlete, why should a young family or parents, why should they trust football? I think you should trust football like you would any other sport, but, but especially football because, as I said before, it takes 12 guys to make something work. Mm-hmm. You know, if your garage door came off its hinges, you can't go out there and lift the garage door by yourself. You're going to get your neighbors to help you, unfortunately, and hopefully you've had good neighbors that they'll all cooperate. Somebody lifts the door, somebody gets it back on track, and somebody wheels it so it'll work and again. And when you get into football, if a play doesn't, if it plays breaks down, then you're able to go back on the film and, and hopefully in a constructive manner pick out the guard or the tackle that missed the block or the back that didn't come up or the quarterback that took too long. So it takes 12 guys to, to do that. And when you miss one guy, then they realize that you're missing part of your team. And if you sub in a new guy, the other 11 know they need to support, you know, that one that just came in. And when you get away from the game, it's it's really unique to see now because, like I said, I'm going into my 40th year, but 35 in Bantam. I have these guys bringing their kids back that played years ago. And their dads, when you sit down and talk to them, they learn different things from football, not just from our program, but from playing in high school and a lot of them that played CIS, that if they don't run their program as a team and they don't all support each other, it's not going to work. And I don't think you see that in a lot of other sports because in a lot of other sports, you can take off with a puck by yourself from end to end. Yep. You can spike the volleyball on your own. You can shoot from outside the three-point. You know, a lot of those sports in football, you try to do that on your own, you're going to get creamed by 12 other guys. Team, so, teamwork would be the big definitely. one. Definitely. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and to me, the other aspect of football that I think we don't appreciate enough is 
um, the adversity. That, you know, there's probably no other sport that you can watch something go wrong and then watch it get fixed. Fixed. Right? Exactly. And, you know, it's like being a, with a three-year-old taking a timeout and mm-hmm. making, that, making that correction. And, and what's really good, too, is kids that their level of development, some will level off when they're 15, 16 years old, that mm-hmm. were exceptional players when they're younger. Mm-hmm. Others will take a few more years, and then it's good to see them go on and play in the CIS and play in, in the, uh, the CFL. And, and we've got a couple of kids that have done really well from the discipline factor, like Marco Iannuzzi, who just retired from BC Lions. He came out to our program as an 8-year-old, and he played all those years. And then he knew scholastically what he wanted to do. When I remember talking when he was 13. Yep. And he didn't say Harvard, but he said Ivy. And he wanted to do that, and he excelled at that. And he left the game before injuries or, you know, or the commitment was going to be too much on him and his family. So, uh, th- mm-hmm. Those are incredible things. And the other thing that I wonder about football, too, is, is its ability to bring in all kinds of different types of kids that oh. big, tall, small, wide, yeah. it doesn't matter. It seems like no other sport is better to adapt to the different physical needs of an athlete. Oh, definitely, because you can move them up to the wide receiver position. You can move them to the deep pack, the safety. You can mm-hmm. take the, the shorter, stockier kid uh, and put them down on the line. But what I've really noticed here in the last 10 to 15 years is 20 years ago, you'd have so many wide-bodied. And I thought they were going that way because of Nintendo and Xbox and everything like that. Kids are coming in better shape than they ever have, but they're still playing Nintendo and Xbox. Right. It's just they're more active outside. And But you're, like you're saying, every, there's a position for every kid, but you have to be careful that you don't sell them on that if they don't have the confidence in what they're doing because it's like being a pylon on the highway. If you don't want to move and get out of the way, you're going to get ran over. And we don't want them to be turned off the game forever. Let's talk about some of the things. You mentioned already the, the coach-official uh, uh, mm-hmm. combination, which I think is, is very incre- very progressive. But also, I would see a health and safety issue there, too, in the sense of, oh. you know, the, the, why is that wrong? Why is that illegal? The tackling, as you mentioned, right? Well, like, definitely, because the rapport that develops between the yeah. coaches and the officials is that official can come by that sideline if the play is, you know, even if the play is not down at that end of the, the field. Yeah. That official may come by, or, or in most cases will do it and say, you know, call the coach by his first name because he knows who he is and just say, hey, you know, if number 66 gets up out of his stance the next time, you know, he's going to get let up or he's going to bang his head. Or if the guy drops his head every time he's carrying a ball in short yardage, you're going to have some injuries. Or if this guy continues to, to give late hits and stuff, he could end up hurting himself. More mm-hmm. importantly, we don't want to hurt anybody else. So, yeah, they point out the safety factor. They couldn't tell you the score at the end of the game. You know, they're there and – you know, and, and some of them even had their own sons play while they're refereeing, and I've never had an issue with that because there's five officials out there, and they're yeah. not going to compromise their own son's reputation. So, so Al, let's let's deal with the the subject that all of football is dealing with right now, and that is it's health and safety, it's concussions. Mm-hmm. What is what is the plan for Calgary Minor Football? What are you doing? This the thing that that Football Canada started right away mm. was the safe contact that came to light a few years ago. That's been implemented at all levels. Everybody needs to be certified. We have at all our AGMs, we go over it again with the uh, safe contact and the certification of the coaching. And, and at Adam and Peewee, we do not have a company that comes in and does baseline concussion testing because the average 8 to 13-year-old, 12-year-old is all over the map if you gave him a series of questions to answer and then needed to ask him after you suspected of a concussion, you know, a month or two later. You know, they ask him the months of the year backwards. I can't do the months of the year backwards. You know, they'll ask them their favorite rock band. It's going to change as soon as they change their station. But um, what we've done is we have hired a company full-time. Uh, when I say full-time, through the season, they do a baseline 
tests for every single athlete that's playing bantam football and spring football. They go down to SATE. They get on the computer. They answer all the questions. All of that data is processed and saved. It's given to an athletic therapist that's on every single bench at every single game. And if it's suspected that a, an athlete has a concussion, they bring out the manual, they go through the concussion, uh, his baseline testing, ask him questions. If they're the least bit suspicious or he drops below a certain level, he's immediately taken out of the game. But more importantly, they do a follow-up afterwards. They get a hold of the parents immediately and tell them what the steps for the return to play is. And it has not scared parents, but it's made the parents aware of the fact that we're being proactive with mm -hmm. the baseline. Yeah. We're being proactive with the safe contact. Uh, the helmets, as I've mentioned so many times, are always recertified. And all of this head concussion is, it's not part of the sport. It's, it's like two kids going uh, up for a header in soccer. You know, if the heads both hit, at least we have helmets on, but we're not leading with the helmets. And once again, going back to the officials, the officials are looking for that because it's not a matter of, want to penalize a guy for a cheap shot. They want to make sure the kid's safe enough to come back and play in the next game. And your coaches are, are because of the certification and the education that they do, are mm -hmm. in a position as well to be an extra set of eyes out there. Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah. And and I don't think you're going to find a lot of coaches that are all there about winning and, and want to just have some kid that's going to light somebody up. Mm -hmm. And I would say that 99% of the coaches coaching at any level in the city of Calgary minor football are guys that played the game. And, you know, they come back and go, boy, I wish I'd known this before. My parents would have not been as nervous sitting in the bleachers and everything right. like that. And, right. And like I say, is we, don't, we, we uh, don't discourage parents from coming to practice. We don't put kids in equipment right away. We walk through all of the baseline and, and or sorry, all of the safe contact drills. So the kids are given a, a dry introduction in the sense that they're not throwing a helmet and shoulder pads like we used to. And I'll, I'll honestly admit, I did the same thing 25 years ago. We used to just lay them on their backs, head-to-head, -head, put a ball there and say, blow the whistle and see so you can get up and take off of the ball the first, and, and they'd be up and, and bang. But we didn't know what concussions were. Like when I played, it was dad would take a cloth and ammonia and just put it under your nose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that to me is part of, I think, kind of the last part of all of these conversations. You can't look at what we used to do I know. and define what we're doing, doing now, now, right? Exactly. My guess is you probably have some restrictions on contact and practices and things like well, that. Well, even in practices, what we do now, guys, is we a lot of it is bag drills. You hit the five-man, you hit the two-man, you hit the one-man, you hit the pop-up sleds, and, and you hit those. But when you hit those, it's the same. You teach them. You want to make sure they're using the same mechanics as they would if an individual stood there. So as I was saying, like 25 years ago, you used to have them start from 15 yards aside, and, and they'd have to run between, between two pylons. And, and we're being challenged by some parents saying, well, they need more contact, so they're ready on Saturday. Well, on Saturday, they might get uh, one-third the number of contacts that they get if you did this four nights a week yeah. so you're subjecting them to far more you know possible concussions and, and callers and stuff like that and it hasn't changed the game i think majority of teams have cut back on the amount of contact practice even at the pro level obviously they've cut back so so i'll tell me a little bit about how uh, calgary minor football engages people and, and talks to them about these subjects do you do open houses are you available for you know email questions how do you we've done both this year okay. uh i know that uh we started some open houses just last weekend, which was the 14th of April, and we went into, we did it, we're allowed to get into two high schools that, you know, treated us as guests, and we set up information, and at those information sessions, we had the athletic therapists, we had the concussion people, so that you can go on their computer, 
and see what a baseline looks like so they know how much control you have in the sense of being able to diagnose whether or not your son or daughter had been concussed. We have the referees there so parents can ask questions and find out that it's an official referee who's been doing this for anywhere between three years and 30 years and that it's not dad coming out of the bleachers like we used to have in minor soccer or the first base umpire. Um, we have equipment manufacturers there so that they can explain how the helmet is used or not used but how it's built and how it takes the contact and, and, and spreads it through the, the helmet to, to, to take it off the uh, concentrated areas. Shoulder pads are there. Um, one important group that we have there is kids sport mm -hmm. because then yep. we have the economic component and parents are able to come and, and uh, you know, a lot of parents might be embarrassed or might have multiple kids that they want to put in. And kids sport has been so good and, and trying to, and a lot of clubs will carry their, their boys anyways because our costs are more like anywhere, team costs of about 400 to about 600 maximum. Mm -hmm. And it depends on what the club's doing. If the club is, is, is at the high end, it's because they're probably giving a little bit of swag to the teams. The other ones are, are just bare bones, let's give them a t-shirt and you know, a team hat or something and, and get going, so. So so there is, you have the, I guess, the ways and means in place to help with barriers to participation, which oh, is definitely. which is kids sport. And, yeah. and I know that the Stampeders have also been They've, very. Because of the 50-50, Rob, with, uh, We've been doing it for a long time, and each team is required to come out to McMahon Stadium at a designated time and sell the 50-50 in the, in the, in the stands, and, and uh, the Stampeders are so giving. Yeah. And like I say, the facility here, Tony Spalatini and I have been running for 20 years now. We've been running a, an alumni camp to introduce kids to Adam football and Pee Wee football, and we give all that money back that's raised 100% to Alberta Jones Hospital. And uh, John or Dave or would let us we book around them and they give us the field mm -hmm. pro bono to use and it's so exciting for the kid and the dad to come down on the onto the astroturf and then uh pay the ten dollars you know and they get a jersey which tony and coca-cola and a few other places subsidize and it's an experience for the kid to get introduced to the sport no equipment but just the fundamentals and then the alumni come out like coverington and and uh and uh, Will Johnson, and even going back to John Pellis, Eddie, sure. and those guys yep. come down and run the drills. So Dad comes because he wants to see the old guys. The younger guys come because they want to get on the field, so it works well. Just a couple more for you, Al. Yep. Um, peer into the, your crystal ball. Where do you see you know Calgary minor football in five years and ten years? I see it, re I see it rebounding. I really do because we're getting more information out there. Um, and it's not all negative information. It's uh, it's like cancer when cancer was first mm -hmm. spotted, and it was you can get cancer from doing just about anything. I think um, some of the helmet manufacturers are coming out with some very good equipment. But like I keep saying, is if we're what we don't want to do, and we're not doing at the open houses, and I promised Raylene through Calgary High School Athletic Association, is that we're not comparing um, we're not comparing uh, football to any other sport. We're not saying okay in soccer percentage of concussions is this and hockey it is mm. no we're here to talk about our sport and what we're doing proactively and reactively if it does happen so i think the more educated we can make the parents uh and the nervous grandpa grandpa type thing then yeah they need to come out and and see what's going on or oh, attend our open houses to to find out what's going on but we do have a website that has all this information on it which is my last question yeah where okay. can we find you if you go on just a sec guys I'm terrible with that. No, that, that's okay. It's that's... Uh, CMF. Can you make that out? I don't have my glasses. Here. 
he, I'm on I the think, air, so I'll read oh, it. Oh, sorry. No, that's yeah. no problem. It's CMF. So, uh, yes, it's, uh, where is it here? The one to the right. The CMF one to the info. right website. Uh, CMF, IN, info. You know what? We're yeah. going to put this on the podcast information. That's read the label on the podcast, and you will find it there. Yeah. And is that your, is that Calgary Minor Football's website then? This that's for just for the open houses so only. then tell me about calgary minor football so calgary minor football for calgary bantam football association yeah they're all independent of each sure other, no problem so there's uh calgary bantam is cbfa.ca okay calgary peewee i think is cpfa.ca and the last one is calgary spring and i can't remember it's we just changed everything so i don't know that that's the great part about google, google it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> google will help google adam we don't have one because like i said with adam we don't keep scores. Mm-hmm. It's an introduction to the game. And, and it shows you how much of we're doing there is that uh, the kids play down at uh, Sholey's Park on a Sunday morning. And it's a toonie suggested to pay to go in. Yeah. All of that money goes right back to Alberta Children's Hospital as well. Perfect. So no operating capital there. Uh, and then Tony and George, especially George Hopkins, has been able to get them on McMahon Stadium for Monday night sessions. And then George takes them through a tour of the – the locker room, and then if there's any players around, they as well will uh, meet with the, the young kids. Al, this is awesome. Yeah. Thank you for uh, doing our member profile. Thank you for doing what you're doing. Thank you for growing and continuing to work and grow the sport of football in Calgary.